You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Father, we are grateful to worship you today. And Lord, we give you honor in our hearts. Uh, We praise you for your goodness and your love. And Father, I pray as we open up uh, your word that uh, you would, the Holy Spirit would speak into each of our hearts this morning. Lord, thank you that you love us and you want to reveal yourself to us, uh, not just to save us, but that, Father, that we might know you more and more and experience your presence in our life and change our lives daily here. Lord, I pray that we would live out that truth as a church family. pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. It's great to be with you guys. I'm so glad to see you this morning. And uh, as Dan shared with us earlier, we have started a new series called That You May Believe. It's based on the Gospel of John. And uh, John tells us in chapter 20 that he wrote his gospel. He said, these things I've written that you may have eternal life, that believing in, in Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John wants us to see Jesus and all of who he is, that we might have life and experience that. It should be astounding to us that the God of heaven, the God of this universe who made this world, who runs this world, the one who oversees and superintends everything. The Bible says that he made all of the stars and he knows them by name. I was thinking of that not too long ago. I don't know how many letters are in those names. I mean, there are just billions and billions and trillions of stars. And I know, you know, as you add one little character, you know, the combination like of your password gets exponentially bigger and all of that. But I don't even know that we could come up with that many names. But yet God knows all of the stars by names. And that God as the God who wants to know you personally. That God is the God who made sure that he didn't play hide-and-go-seek and hide in the universe somewhere, but he wanted to declare himself so that you and I might know him and might clearly have a, a, something that we can have as a firm belief and a resolution in, with him, and that we could then go beyond that, that we could not only just pray and talk to him, but that he would actually communicate with us, that we in our soul would hear his spirit speak into our heart and into our lives through his word and by his spirit, that God of the world wants us to live and have our life with Him. That is astounding to me. That's the whole reason John wrote this gospel this morning. So I I love this this series and I love the focus that we have this morning. Now John the Apostle, we're going to hear about another John this morning, different from John the, the Baptist or John the Baptizing One, the one who came baptizing people. Two different guys, completely unrelated, other than they both they both knew and loved Jesus. But John the Apostle last week shared with us his story. He, he shared with us his beliefs, his understanding of who Jesus was. It was in essence, he stood up and said, listen guys, I was with Jesus and here's what I know. Here's my conclusions of what I believe about Jesus. This morning, he's now saying, and here's another guy by the name of John, same name, different guy, but here's what he believes. Here's what he saw. Here's his conclusions about who Jesus is because John wants us to listen to the eyewitness testimony of people that saw with their eyes, that heard with their ears, that touched Jesus so that you and I might live and experience all that He has for us through their witness, through their story. 
And so he shares with us this morning about, the, the, about Jesus coming and John the Baptist who kind of paved the way for Jesus. And the backdrop to this is actually John's baptism or the baptisms that John was providing for people. He was kind of a crazy guy living out in the wilderness and hanging out by the Jordan River. And, and he was baptizing people. He was sent by God to do that. Now, something as we think about baptism is, is that we often don't realize is that there are not just one there's not just one baptism in the Bible. There's actually three different baptisms in the Bible. One is John's baptism. It was a baptism of repentance, the Bible says. It was a baptism that people who before Jesus came, specifically Jewish people, were coming and being baptized because it was a, he was the his job was to kind of pave the way and to point to Jesus. And so people were being convicted in their hearts of sin, of the wrong. And so they were repenting, turning from that. And as a sign of that heartfelt change, they were being baptized. And God, John was sent by God with the only one with the authority to do that, and he baptized in that way. This morning in the passage that we're going to read in just a minute, Jesus also had a baptism. Not that he was baptized, but he actually, John said, there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually baptizes people, but not in water. He baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. He was sent by God to bring that change in our life and for the Holy Spirit to become real. We'll talk a little bit further with that. Then the third baptism that you and I are familiar with, or what we practice here, is that it is the, the believer's baptism, or God gave to the church to baptize people who've turned from their sins and received Jesus, to baptize them in water as a testimony of that salvation. That That's the job of the local church, that we are to do that. So, so that's the beginning story where we pick up the passage. So take your Bible with me and read with me this passage here in John. John chapter 1, look at verse 19. The Bible says this, This is the testimony of John. This is not John the Apostle. This is John the the baptizing one, though, the one who... The, the word literally baptizing means immerse or to put underwater. He's the one that was doing that. So this is the testimony of that John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? What are you doing? That's what they're saying here. They're like, You are a strange man. You eat insects. You wear funny clothes. You're a priest. You're not hanging out in the temple. You're like way over here by the river. Who do you think you are? Who are you? Why are you baptizing people? They want to know. Go on and listen to what he says. He says, and he, he confessed, and he did not deny, but he confessed. He said, I am not the Christ. He said, look, I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. And they said, they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? I'm not. He said, answered, no. They said to him in verse 22, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And here's what he said. He says this. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And verse 24 says this. Now they who had been asked or had been sent from the Pharisees, they asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. You see, they knew that somebody shouldn't just be out there baptizing people. They're like, well, why are you doing this if you're nothing special? And John answered them, I baptize with water. 
But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. First thing I want us to recognize this morning is John, the Apostle John, is going to unpack for us who Jesus is. And we'll look in a minute that he's the Lamb of God and he's the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that. But the first thing we need to know is that John was less and Jesus was more. You see, he was out there serving God, sent by God to baptize because his job was to... He was kind of the warm-up band, right? Jesus was the main concert. Jesus was the main entree. And, and John the Baptist was kind of the appetizer. He was kind of the warm-up band. He was coming to awaken people to the reality that they were sinners and needed, needed salvation. You see, the Jewish world thought, well, we're Jews. We're all good. We're God's family. We've been raised. We've gone to temple. We've gone to synagogues. Like, we're good. We're in. Everything's right. God's happy with us. It's those other people that are really messed up that need something in their life. And John came saying, uh-uh, you folks are messed up. Your heart is wicked. It's sinful. You need to turn from that. And so he was kind of awakening. God was using him to bring an awakening of sin and, and the tangible thing that they could all see was baptism. And so the religious leaders are scratching their head like, this guy's getting popular. His Instagram's blowing up. Like TikTok videos are flowing, flying around with these people getting baptized. Like, who gave you the right to be out there baptizing people? We didn't, we'll read it in a minute. John's like, hey, the one who sent me to baptize, I, I came because of somebody else. And the issue is, it ain't about me. I am less. Jesus is more. I love that John didn't even bother to t give him his name. He said, I'm nobody. He said, I'm just a voice. I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm just a voice trying to tell people to make the path straight for the Messiah. I am trying to roll out the red carpet for the Savior who's coming. I'm trying to help people to realize that they're in need of God doing something in their heart and in their soul. I'm nobody. In fact, he said, he says, I'm not even worthy to, to loosen the strap on a sandal. In the culture of that day, that would have been a very demeaning kind of job. And in essence, J John was saying, I'm not even worthy to clean Jesus' toilet. I, 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 there's nothing that I should not be worthy of doing anything with this man. I've got, I've got nothing. I'm a, I'm a nobody. A couple of things here for us this morning and lessons from this. The first lesson is, is this. If you really are going to experience God in your life and experience His salvation in your soul, if you really are going to experience a breakthrough where you move past ritual and religion and past things that you've done as a kid or a church experience to where you really know God and you have a relationship with Him, and not, it's not just that you pray to God, but God communicates to you and to your soul then the first thing you need to do is you need to be willing for God to do a heart change inside of you. You have to come to that place of saying, God, I am messed up. I am a sinner before you. See, that's the, the red carpet that Jesus needs rolled out. Too often you and I want to change our own life and do our own thing, and God's like, you can't change it. But what you and I can do that He expects us to do is to at least admit that we're wrong. At least admit that we're messed up. You see, that's 
how we begin to welcome Jesus in our life. You and I need to start there. Have you ever talked to anybody who really did something wrong? Maybe you were in a place of authority. Maybe it was an employee. Maybe it was a parent. Um, uh, maybe you were a teacher or something like that. And, and have you ever talked to somebody who refuses to admit what they did wrong? I mean, isn't that a, a frustrating experience? You're like, I know you did this, and you know you did this. Why won't you say you did this? Like, this is just, like, it, it just, it ends everything. Like, there's nothing you can do with it. You can't bring reconciliation. You can't help them. You can't, there's nothing when they're in denial. And so what God wants us to do, the first step for any of us to really know Him and to have Him fix our life, to have Him work in our life, to move past, past rituals and, and just things that we did, is to admit to God, I am wrong and I need help. That's what John's job was. That was him making ready the highway to the hearts of the people that Jesus would come and walk along that road so that their hearts would be ready to receive Jesus as the Messiah. The second lesson here for this is for you and for me is this, is if you and I are going to point people to Jesus, we need to get out of the way. If we have ego in the middle of that and we're trying to be somebody, we got real problems. You see, none of us are anything in comparison to Jesus. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about our church. Dan mentioned we're going to share the Discover class again in a month or so. And one of the key values that you'll hear about in there that we try to live out, these are not slogans that you're going to see on a sign out front. We're not going to put these things on the walls. But hopefully you see them without necessarily always noticing them. And one of our key like top five values is, is we're just all average, ordinary people trying to serve Jesus. There are no superheroes, no superstars, nobody with an S on their chest except Jesus, and it stands for Savior, not Superman. We are just average people trying to stay out of the way. We don't want to touch God's glory. We want God to have all of the glory. That's a critical value of ours as a church. And by the way, if we have to put that on the wall to remind you, then it's probably not really a value. So we want these things to be just like things that really are there that we don't have to always talk about. And so, guys, if you are trying to reach people, and if you're trying to help somebody to know Jesus, you make sure your ego is in check and you're stepping out of the way and you're not trying to grab any glory in the process. That's the backdrop. John was out there preparing that highway, letting people, he was kind of plowing up ground, pulling rocks out of the field so the seed of the gospel and the good news could be shared and that Jesus could come. And the people are confused. Who are you? I'm just a voice trying to make a way for the Messiah who's coming. Now John the Apostle tells us, gives us the history lesson of who John the Baptist saw Jesus as. So let's look and listen to what, G, what John the Baptist had to say who Jesus was. The next day, in verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist talking. He saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, I can see him picture and telling everybody, he, remember he's a voice, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. And I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. John said this, he said, he says, guys, I didn't have a clue who this guy was. I didn't know him from Adam. But this is that Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. This is the reason I've come to baptize, to prepare the way for that guy. And Jesus is told us here, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's his purpose. Jesus didn't come to solve the problems in this world. He didn't come to solve all the social ills of the world, all the social injustices. He didn't come to, to, to write, uh, just, you know, to, to, to make our life happy and better. We as Christians often think that, you know, we, it's an easy trap to fall into. God's job in heaven is just to make us comfortable and happy. That's not what God came to do. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to take away the sins of the world by being the Lamb, the Lamb of God. You see, people make mistakes often that when we finally get to that point where we go to God and we say, well, God, I know that I'm wrong. Sometimes, and we begin trying to wrestle with that, sometimes we try to fix that stuff ourselves. Oftentimes when people are beginning to think about God or church or get a little more serious in their faith or whatever, and they, they feel like, well, I've got to clean myself up, and then I can present myself to God. That's not the way it works. Nobody can do that. Mom and Dad, when your kids were little, and they were filthy, messy, muddy, and they were little guys, did you just say, hey, go clean yourself up and take care of that? You know it didn't work. They couldn't do it. They'd come back and they'd be a mess. You'd be like, get in the tub. <laughs> and you'd be scrubbing and be like, ah, what are you doing? Like, you're a mess. You see, we're like that. God is the only one that can scrub our souls. Because that's where the dirt is. That's where the contamination is and the filth and the stench. It's not on the outside. It's, it's not on the outside that you can see. It's on the inside where you can't see. And Jesus came to take that away. Only He can do that. You and I can't do that. Neither can we trust the church to do it, or the minister, or the priest, or, or pastor, or anybody. We can't trust anybody else to do it, and we can't do it ourselves. Only Jesus can do it, and He does it because He's the Lamb. Now the thing is, it never works out so good for the Lamb. It's never a good thing for the Lamb. The Lamb always dies. In the Old Testament, the Lamb was always sacrificed. The lamb was always put to death. And the lamb's blood was a picture of Jesus' blood that would be for us. So if you were a Jewish little boy or girl growing up, your entire life, every year, you would see so many lambs slaughtered. And you would think all along, how cute and innocent this little lamb is, right? If you, if you have chickens and they're going to end up in your pot, you don't name them generally, right? You just, it's not a good idea. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, Sean, it's shocking. I don't do that thing. I haven't done that. I'm the rescuer guy. Well, anyway, that's another story. But they grew up knowing and seeing these cute little lambs, knowing that they were innocent, harmless, that were sacrificed year after year after year, every year. And they realized over time that Jesus is that perfect lamb who must die and who is innocent in my place. And so Jesus is the Lamb of God who died on the cross, who died for our sins. It's His blood that we can be forgiven. That's the only way that our sins are taken away. You see, for the Jewish world, this whole baptism thing was a picture of that, that their soul needed to be cleansed. Not on the outside, but on the inside. It was a picture of that. And then John says, he's the guy who does it. Because for them, they knew that their, 
Their souls were contaminated. On the inside, they were dirty. They were sinful. They were polluted. And it just, nothing would take that away. Our world today is struggling so hard how to fix all of the ills that are inside of people. Trying to solve the, the anger. Trying to solve the hatred. Trying to solve the prejudice. Trying to solve the worry. Trying to solve all of the stuff inside of us. The jealousy and all of the things. And we, we're increasingly coming up with diagnoses and all kinds of things. And increasingly the world around us doesn't realize the real core problem is on the inside is we are spiritually corrupted. We're defiled. We're contaminated would be the, the modern word that we might use today. And only Jesus is the one that can clean our soul up. And when your soul on the inside is contaminated, guess what comes out on the outside with the things that we say and the things that we do? And Jesus came to, to solve that for us. And He came to do it for the whole world. Not that the whole world experiences that forgiveness, what Jesus, what the Bible's telling us here is that Jesus' salvation and his, his plan to clean things up is available to everybody in the world. That there's no class of people, there's no nation, there's no race, there's no community, there's no group, there's no one out there that is separated from that opportunity to experience that cleansing effect of Jesus in their soul. No one. That He came to take away the sins of the world, not just for the Jews, but for everybody. You see, John is trying to help people who've lived with a burden of being wrong, of being guilty, of the shame, for them to deal with it, stop covering it over, stop making excuses, we live in a victim world today where you know nothing is, is our fault at all. If somebody gets us angry, it's their fault. If I have a, an issue, you know, then it's your fault that I have this issue. It's not my fault. And what's happening is because of that, we are more and more becoming irresponsible with our lives. And John's job, John the Baptist's job, was to say, hey, cut it out. You're responsible. And you need God to do something on the inside of you. You can't blame this on somebody else or your mom and dad or what somebody else did to you, the way you're responding today. You are responsible for you. And the only way that can be taken care of is through Jesus, who had to pay for that junk inside of your soul and all that stuff that's coming out. Jesus is the one that can do it. So folks, so, so recognize that Jesus is only that one and it's through our surrendering to Him. It's through our admitting our sin and our wrong and yielding our life to Jesus and saying, God, forgive me. Would you be in charge of my life? Would you save me? Would you cleanse my soul? It's only through that step of faith. That's what real faith is about when the Bible talks about it. It's not just believing in, in God or just believing in Jesus down on the cross, but it's us taking that real step of receiving Him as our Savior and as our Lord, when we take that step, that's when our sins are forgiven. And that's when we are, before God, are washed on the inside. And that, by the way, is why we get baptized today on the outside, is a believer's baptism is a testimony to that, is a, a statement to that. 
pointing back that we've experienced those kinds of things. And that's the commission of the church to spread the gospel. And those that receive that gospel to teach them and to baptize them and to, to celebrate what Jesus has done in our life. Second thing that, that John tells us about John the Baptist, the baptizing one, is not only was Jesus the Lamb of God, but he also tells us that Jesus came to baptize people with the Spirit. He says in verse 32, And John bore witness, and I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, wasn't a dove, but like a dove, and it remained on him. Talking about Jesus. It remained on Jesus. And I myself did not know him. I didn't know who he was, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, God who sent me to baptize, and I baptize under his authority, said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John was saying, look, guys, I'm not making this up. I, I'm just as you. I, was, I didn't know exactly who this Messiah was, but the one in heaven who sent me and charged me to baptize told me this. The man that you see, my spirit come and rest upon him. That is my son. And we know from the other gospels that the, the story of when Jesus was baptized, that the Father in heaven spoke out as Jesus was there being baptized and the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus. There was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity there together, and, and the Father spoke to the world, this is my beloved Son, this is the Son I really love, and whom I am well pleased, well done. John said, that was the day I knew for sure exactly who this was. And he came to baptize in the Spirit. John said, my baptism isn't that big of a deal. The real baptism that you want is Jesus' baptism. He's the one that's going to baptize you in the Spirit. You see, there's a connection here that you and I, when we receive Jesus into our life, when we take that step, and then if you've not taken that step, I encourage you, I urge you to do that. In fact, don't delay in it. Don't rest in your past things that have happened to you or, or past religious beliefs or rituals. Put your trust and receive Jesus as Lord of your life, surrendering to Him. And when we take that step, what the Bible's telling us is on the inside, invisibly, something happens that we're not fully aware of, that the Holy Spirit baptizes us. Just as we've seen baptisms here and we lower people under the water, the Holy Spirit submerges. We're submerged in Him. That he lives out in our life. And that's where the change comes from in our life, is that the Holy Spirit comes in and makes us brand new, and we experience God inside of us and changes us. That's why so many people are like, oh my goodness, I feel like I understand now. I talk to so many people about spiritual things. They're like, I just, I just, I don't, I can't quite get my finger. I can't figure this out. I just, I, I don't, I know something's not quite right. I want to be with God and I don't know. And what's happened is, is they've never really received Jesus and they've never experienced that Holy Spirit baptism in their life that comes at that moment, those two things together into our life. By the way, that's why we do baptize people afterwards. That's what the believer's baptism is. It's a testimony. It's a picture on the outside of what Jesus himself did to us on the inside that he baptizes with the Spirit. And it's part of the reason why we immerse people under the water. 
You know, when Jesus saves us, he doesn't just save part of us. He, the picture is, is he doesn't just put a little bit of water and save our head or our hands or whatever, but he immerses us in the Holy Spirit. And so we share in that picture. And, and on top of it, the Bible says that, you know, the gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection, and baptism is a picture of somebody dying. Just as somebody dies, they're light, laid under the... The, uh, in the grave under the ground, and when they are resurrected, uh, when Jesus returns, they come up out of that, a picture of that new life. That water baptism is a believer's baptism that we do as a church under the authority that God gives us as a church. We do that as a testimony to the spirit baptism that Jesus brings into our life. Now, folks, every person who has surrendered to Jesus and received Him as Lord has been baptized by His Spirit. It's something that happens at that very moment. And that is what changes our life. When you see things begin changing in people's lives after they trust Christ, it's because of that. It's because of Him living inside of us. It's tough, difficult. I wish I could explain it to people that, that have not surrendered to Christ, you know. But, but it's the kind of thing that you don't know what you don't know until you experience it. But some people are like, but I don't know how, you know, I will want to do this. And I'm like, but you don't understand. God's going to change those desires. You're going to have new interests, new desires. He's going to do something new. That doesn't mean that immediately, that whenever you and I receive Jesus, that we don't have any of those temptations. We will to the day we die. We will struggle and wrestle with those things. But God more and more gives us new desires. And He more and more changes us on the inside into our life. I would, If I were an economics major, I would love to know how much we spend a year trying to experience change, real change in our life. We spend, it's got to be millions if not billions, just on all kinds of things to make our lives different, thinking they're going to make us better and, and all of that. And the the real only thing that I know that really brings lasting change in our life is God Himself coming and living inside of us. He's the one that makes a husband be convicted that he's not treating his wife properly and begins to soften and treat her with the respect and love that she deserves. He's the one that changes a wife in realizing that she needs to be different toward her husband like kids will begin to treat their parents differently and people just begin to, to, to live differently. He's the one that begins to untangle and to sort all of those things out. Third thing, and then I'm done. Not only is Jesus the, um, the one who takes away the sin of the world, He's the one that baptizes us in His Spirit, but Jesus is the Son of God. John says this, last verse is this His testimony. And we're being put this like, Here's what one guy who spent time with Jesus, putting his whole reputation on the line, he's the guy. He is the Son of God. He says in verse 34, I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John the Apostle said the same thing last week. I didn't focus on it. There's only so many things I could talk about in that passage. But John the Apostle said the same thing, that he is the only Son, the old King James would say, the only begotten, the only Son that comes from and comes out of the Father. And here the second testimony is this. Picture like 
eyewitnesses on the stand. John the Apostle said, do you testify to tell the truth? The whole truth is nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. And the attorney says, who is Jesus? And John spent 18 verses. We talked all about last week about who Jesus is. Now John the Baptist is on the stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Who do you say Jesus is? I say he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I say that he's the one who baptizes in the Spirit. And I say that this is the Son of God. When the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God, what it means is it's not that he was produced by God or the God the Father, but it means that he comes from him. In other words, he's a chip off the old block. That what God the Father is, Jesus is. That he shares the same, if we could speak in human terms, that the same DNA courses in his veins as they do in God the Father's veins. It means that he's made out of the same stuff as the Father. For those of you, you're the men in the room, you are your father's son. Now, you are not your father. There may be some similarities in your looks, maybe even some similarities in your mannerisms, maybe even uh, some similarities in things that you do, for better or worse. And you being your father's son, you do come from your father, produced by your father. But what this is saying when Jesus is the Son of God is more than that. What it's saying is, is you, just like your father, are human. You have DNA, you share DNA, I don't know what those percentages are and all of that. You are the same, and it's the same way with Jesus. The Bible is trying to convey to us that this Jesus is not just a human being. The world knows that Jesus walked this earth. The world knows that he walked this earth just like Julius Caesar did and Alexander the Great and, and Aristotle and Plato and these ancient figures but what John is stepping up and saying, John the Apostle and John the Baptist, is, is this guy is different. He's not just a man. He is God Himself, the Son of God, Son of the Father, in the flesh on this earth. So folks, for you and I, thinking about these truths, there's a number of implications. I've shared a few of them, and I'm wrapping this up now. Have you been willing to admit you're wrong before God in heaven, to allow God to make His highway into your heart. See, what God's trying wants is not for you to be a religious person. It's not for you to follow the rituals that you've known from a child. God wants you to be willing in your heart to admit how much you need Him and how much you are wrong in your life and how much in your soul you've been contaminated and He wants you to be open. He doesn't want you to fix it. He wants you to be open for Him to come. For Him to come. For you to receive Him as your Savior and Lord. For Him to come into your life. And practically what happens is, is when you say, yes, Jesus, I want you to come. I turn from that junk. What Jesus does is the Holy Spirit comes into your life and He baptizes you. And He changes you on the inside in that very moment. And He saves you. Some of you this morning need to take that step to where you admit that and ask God to come and do that in your life. Another thing that I put out here before us this morning is sometimes, folks, we all make too much of ourselves. 
We don't like to be disrespected. We want to be somebody and be seen as somebody. And there's no room for us being somebody when it comes to Jesus because we are all nothing but nobodies. We are nobody. And we should not try to be somebody. We should just allow be enough to be a servant of God into our life. And then when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, another implication is, are you allowing Him to change you? Are you more and more leaning into that? When He convicts you of the things that you do wrong, do you blow it off or you harden your heart to it? Or do you allow Him to change you constantly in your life? And are you living your life with a trajectory that says, God, you're the most important thing to me today? Folks, we all have important things we do each day. And we all each day have some really unimportant things that we spend time on. And we'd be shocked how much time we spend on the unimportant things, me included. But the biggest thing that should ever be to us every day when we get up is the fact that we know God and get to live our life with Him. That's what He wanted to do. That's why He sent His Son Jesus, to, for that just very simple fact. So what are you living for in your life? Is it really for Jesus and to live with Him? Or is it for something else in your life? And then last thing is, some of you have trusted Christ. Whenever a person really receives Jesus and takes that step of faith, the Bible and New Testament gave to the local church. Just like John and Jesus, not everybody is supposed to go out and baptize, but the church is supposed to then baptize people as a testimony to their salvation. Our church's job, the church's job as, people, as followers of Jesus, our job is to help people to know Jesus. And then together we baptize people so that they have a testimony to us and then ultimately to the world that they're a follower of Christ. And if you've not taken that step of baptism, that's something that I encourage you to do. If you don't know what that is or it feels weird, um, we can talk about it. Sometimes I do bump into people who are like, well, I don't want to go up front, and you know, I don't, I don't like being looked at. I get it. I, I preach every week, and you may not believe this, but there's a part of me that's always a little uncomfortable with it. And early on, I'm just like, I don't want to be up in front of everybody. But some people say, but it's, I don't want it to be about me. Can I tell you, just like John the Baptist, when you're baptized, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what he's done in your life. I know it's a little odd, like, you know, I'm the only one getting wed, and I'm in front of everybody else. It's a little weird. You know how I've kind of come to terms with it as a pastor? If it wasn't weird, then there would be no testimony. That's kind of the point. Like, it needs to stand out, you know? Like, why did you do that? It's the whole thing that Jesus did something in your life. And it's a testimony of what he did, not of what you did. It's a picture of what he did in your life. So if you've not taken even, if you've trusted Jesus but not taken that step, I encourage you to think about that this morning. I'd be glad to talk with you. Any of the pastors would as well. But whatever God has kind of spoken in your heart this morning, our next song is a time for you to respond to Him. To respond. To say yes to whatever He's been tugging at your heart about. And whatever that may be, would you do that? If you need to talk to somebody during this time, feel free to. You can grab me or one of the pastors. In fact, Steve is out back. He'd be glad to talk with you. Dan's here as well. Um, but respond to whatever God's saying to you. So pray with me as our team comes up. Father, thank you. Jesus loves us and he died for us. Thank you for his salvation. Thank you for his grace. And God, I thank you for the testimony of John. 
I'm amazed at how his baptism of repentance reminds us that we need to repent and need you to clean our heart, and that only Jesus can do that through dying on the cross. And God, I'm so grateful. It's so astounding to me that you supernaturally and spiritually inside of our soul, you wash us and baptize us with your spirit and clean us and scrub all that away. Thank you, Father, for that reality. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 